0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Normally being a little extra can be a bit
2: much.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stands with Ingrid Dunphy. Now, a terrible crime was committed on Wednesday when a group claiming to represent the new IRA, three men, shot Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell in OMA. Detective Inspector Caldwell was finishing a training session with young boys he coached, and his own son was with him as he put the balls the footballs in the back of the boot of his car with his son. He was attacked. He is critically ill in hospital, suffering what are called life-changing injuries, and there has been shock and, in a sense, despair across his island, particularly in Oma, which of course was the scene of the worst atrocity committed during the Troubles. But This new IRA, as they call themselves, are undoubtedly benefiting from the stalemate on the Northern Protocol. And we're joined from London now by Chris Johns. Chris is a former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland. He's now a very respected commentator. Chris, Boris Johnson was on Sky last night. It was billed as an exclusive interview, and he was talking about the Northern Ireland Protocol. And what he was saying was, These attempts that Rishi Sunak is making to settle with the European Union on the basis of adjustments to the Northern Ireland Protocol was misguided. What they should do is let a bill that he drafted, the Northern Ireland Protocol bill, through, it's in the Lords at the moment being held up, but essentially Johnson claimed this would solve all the the problems. Of course it wouldn't, as I'm sure you know, It would mean, for one thing, that we'd have to have a hard border on the island of Ireland, on this part of the island. So, what's going on, Chris? Johnson is interfering in this. He made these comments less than 24 hours after Chief Inspector John Caldwell was attacked. The atmosphere now prevailing in the north is very, very tense. There is no assembly. There is no prospect of an assembly or assembly elections, which are due. And Johnson is burbling on about a piece of legislation that were it to pass, which he thinks it should, would solve all problems, he says. In fact, it would create a nightmare. It would.
3: It was a disgraceful intervention, but a typical one from Boris Johnson, we need to understand his motivation. And actually, in all of the complexities of this process, that's very simple to understand. His former colleague and Tory party member, George Osborne, the ex-chancellor of the Exchequer, put it, I think, very accurately. He said, what we all think is that the only thing that Johnson is doing at the moment is seizing every opportunity he can to pick up sticks with which to beat Rishi Sunak in order to uh, essentially, get get himself back to power. He 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 sees a route, bizarrely, in many of our minds, back to Number Ten Downing Street, and that involves always and everywhere attacking Sunak. It's a, it's um, he's got two motivations there. One is he does want to make a comeback, our Donald Trump next year, that sort of thing, and also he, it's personal. It's a vendetta against Sunak because he blames Sunak for his downfall. So he is throwing. Um, Ireland onto the bonfire um, as a result of these two very, very um, malevolent personal ambitions, uh, personal objectives. It is an absolute disgrace because, as you say, the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill solves absolutely nothing. And it shows yet again for the umpteenth time that Johnson is utterly uninterested in details about anything. It is always and everywhere about personal ambition. It's never about doing the right thing. It's never about engaging with process. It's never about the difficulty, the complexity of governing. It's all about personal ambition. It's shocking. It's disgraceful. But that's the state we're in, Eamon.
0: Yes. And I very loath to criticize Sky News. They do superb work in Ukraine, for example. They're brilliant. And of course, Sky Sports. Everything to do with Sky. I've never seen the word exclusive on an interview on the screen before. But they then failed to interrogate him, and he just made a speech. And at the heart of the speech was this discredited idea, even among people like Sunak, who want peace and want to resolve this terrible problem between the EU. This is a hangover from Johnson's hard Brexit. And, of course, it looks like Sunak is a prime minister who is in office but not in power?
3: Well, he is typical of the British politician, of whom we've seen many, many examples uh, over many years, who really has failed to get to grips with the detail of the Northern Ireland peace process, of the Good Friday Agreement, what came before it and what has come after it. And as you know, Eamon, it is very, very complicated. Um, There's lots of subtext, there's lots of subtleties, there's lots of history, and it it can be mind-bending stuff. A fantastic article that summarizes where we're at was actually written um, for a website called, uh, I'll get the actual name up, UK in a Changing Europe. Wonderful, wonderful piece. Short, well worth a read. I recommend you or any of your listeners look at it. And it was written by Sir Jonathan Stevens. It's a name you might remember. He was former permanent secretary at the Northern Ireland office for six years, up until a year or two ago. And he talks about it in some of those details that I recommend people get into to try and understand what's going on. And the particular take that he has on this is that Sunak has made a fundamental error, and British politicians always make fundamental errors if they don't engage with the detail and the subtleties and the subtext of what's going on, in that he has tried to do this bilaterally with the EU first mistake, big mistake, which means that the process was guaranteed to end up where it has today, which is in a complete mess. Because the, the, Sunak is focused on outcomes, which is doing a deal with the EU so that he can get on to the other things that he wants to do, which is rejoin the horizon scientific research program and other ways in which he can start to take the edges of the, off the disaster that is Brexit. Now, in trying to do this intergovernmental deal between London and Brussels, he's failed to understand that when you are dealing with Northern Ireland, process, and this is the the ex-permanent secretary's argument, which I would fully agree with, process is as important as outcome. And if you don't get the process right, you won't get the the outcome that you want. And the process in Northern Ireland must always, always involve involvement of the parties on the ground. You've got to involve everybody. You've got to involve the DUP. You've got to involve Sinn Féin. You've got to involve everybody who has a vested interest in this. And trying to achieve an outcome that is then imposed on the people is always destined to be a mess. So they've got it wrong because they don't understand Northern Ireland. They don't understand how it works. As I say, there are so many subtleties that one could cite, so many details. I'll give you one. At the time of the Good Friday Agreement, this, what I'm about to say was never written into any of the agreements. This is one of the subtleties because people around that table, the people who had engaged with the detail, people who had been around this for a long period of time, one of the things they were able to, with a nudge and a wink, say to the various protagonists in the debate look, we're effectively and th- th- there are all sorts of ironies in what I'm about to say, we're effectively, in so many different ways, now ruled as much by Brussels as we are by London and Dublin. And the interests of Brussels are now going to be paramount when it comes to trading arrangements. And all of these issues of identity, and whether you're Irish or whether you're British, they tend to fade away into the background because of the existence of the EU and our membership, Of the European Union. After all, the European Union was set up originally to deal with matters of national identity and the problems that they cause. This is great, isn't it? And then when you get um, Britain leaving, the United Kingdom leaving the European Union, all of that nudge and wink stuff, of course, becomes null and void and it becomes front and centre. And if you don't understand this stuff, you'll never understand the Northern Ireland peace process.
0: The basic problem is that Johnson lied to the DUP, he lied to the Irish government, he lied to Parliament, and he signed a deal just when the clock was about to strike midnight, a deal with the EU, which he had no intention of honouring. However, it allowed him to say he had a hard Brexit and to gain an 80-seat majority in the House of Commons. Yes. But this is so scandalous, that he then backtracked and he had agreed to a border in the Irish Sea. Now, as soon as the deal was done and the election was won, he doesn't want that anymore. What he wants now in this new bill that's going through Parliament is basically that the issue of checks, the green lane for stuff this staying in Northern Ireland, and the red lane, the red lane for stuff that's going to pass through the Republic. That was to avoid a hard border. If you go with his uh, new bill that's drafted, and if Sunak appears to lack the courage to change it, or indeed the political will to change it, we are going to have more incidents involving the new IRA and others, because a hard border is a target. And it's also a massive breach of the Good Friday Agreement. And Bertie Ahern, who was one of the architects of it, was Taoiseach during the Good Friday Agreement negotiations and all of that time, he said yesterday, if we don't get an agreement in the next two or three weeks We'll have to wait for the next British government, meaning a Labour government that I'm sure Bertie meant. And it looks like that's what's going to happen.
3: Yes, there are many different issues that mean we have to wait for things to improve in Britain. The idea that we've got another two years of this, means is not just about Northern Ireland, big though that is. It's about No, it everything.
0: isn't. I mean, if you look at the Home Secretary, mm. Suella Braverman, and her dream of seeing a 747 jet, flying from Heathrow to Rwanda, full of people who'd been on boats. That's, that's a, a direct quote. She said that in the House of Commons. Therese Coffey yesterday said that if people were finding it hard to make ends meet, they should work harder and maybe get another job. This crass pub talk really, well, it's an insult to pub talk, but this is the way they're making policy. And Johnson, this old Etonian pup, is leading the parade. Ernest Hemingway
3: once described the process of bankruptcy, a process that, as an economist, I know well. And he put it brilliantly, which he described as something that happens very suddenly and then very, very quickly, all of a sudden. It's a, it's a ver- verbal description of, of what we sort of finance types called catastrophe theory. And I think many of us in the UK are now wondering whether we've reached our point of bankruptcy. Not the financial sort. Not, the UK is still solvent, um, but its And it's not the bankruptcy captured in dry statistics about incomes and inequality and the NHS and all that sort of stuff. It, it's, it's about this other stuff that you and I are talking a, a, about now. It's the sort of bankruptcy about the daily stories of parts of the NHS daily falling over, trains that don't run, let alone on time, the railway system is so dysfunctional that we now quoting statistics that suggest that Ukraine's railway system is more efficient than Britain's. The, the shoddy states of our of our urban architecture It's an insult to the less developed uh, to less developed countries to describe the state of UK's urban architecture as third world. Um, the, the decaying state of the country's infrastructure in general um, th- th- everything appears to be falling apart. Every day you will get learned articles, not just in the left-wing press, but in, articles, in journals such as The Spectator, the House Journal of the Conservative Party, you will daily get articles now asking why Britain doesn't work anymore. You've got utility companies pouring sewage into rivers and onto beaches with impunity, without sanction. Today we've got empty supermarket shelves where cucumbers once stood. Did you know it's easier to buy an assault rifle in America than it is to buy a tomato in the
0: UK right now? (laughs) I do know that Theresa Coffey had a a solution for that. She said to people who couldn't get vegetables such as tomatoes and lettuces and all of those things that they should buy turnips. Absolutely. She actually said that at the dispatch box.
3: Look, um, the the, the body politic has been continuously centralizing power in the UK in fewer and fewer hands, in a class that really is defined by one thing. And you get to be a member of this uh, clique that now controls pretty much everything in the UK by being a Brexiteer. There is no other criteria for membership. It helps if you've gone to the same school and the same university. And happy coincidence, most of these people have. But then you end up in a, with a self-selected bunch of people who then give jobs to their mates, Brexiteers all, like the chair of the BBC, which is currently a scandal, run, one of many running
0: through. Yeah, um, but you must remember that he's chair of the BBC, people argue, because he arranged an £800,000 loan for Boris Johnson.
3: And didn't mention it when he was going through the his no. selection process. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, it, the latest pandemic in the UK is what I call Brexit derangement syndrome. You know that there was a supposedly secret meeting of Remainers and Leavers, who, God forbid, actually came together to try and say, how do we make things work a bit better? Things have clearly gone very wrong. How can we, as pragmatic people who want to do the right thing, there are a few left, actually devise some policies that aren't performative, aren't just about getting headlines, but actually make things work in Britain a wee bit better? Now, you might think that that is very sensible. It looks a good thing. But you immediately get all of the the, the wing nuts like David Frost coming out denouncing these people as traitors. And and a chorus of Brexiteers talking about betrayal and the great stab in the back. It's absolutely crazy stuff, um, what's going on here. And the best, another emblem of what, what it's like here is that you've got Matt Hancock, you remember, the ex. Yes. Um, Secretary of State for Health, as somebody who clearly is now on the same Boris Johnson journey of, of earning as much money as he possibly can now that, now that he's lost office. And more generally, I think he's symptomatic of what we all now look at our, our politicians as is there isn't anybody there anymore that seems no. to want to do the right thing. They simply want to be self aggrandizers, to, to grab power and, and also eventually, sooner or later, money. And so so I feel that we've reached an inflection point in the UK where everybody is suddenly realizing this. And the problem, Eamon, is that we've got another two years of this.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the chaos that they are causing in Ireland now has gone past a threshold where three members of the new IRA in broad daylight, as it were, in, in a crowded sports place can go up and commit this horrible crime in front of the son of the victim and kids who are just finishing their training. And yet, Sky, in their exclusive, didn't ask Johnson at all about this heinous act. If he starts talking about Northern Ireland and protocols, should he not be asked about this dramatic, horrific consequence of the kind of stuff that the British government, and Sunak is, shouldn't they be asked about this? Do they feel any responsibility for this? Can they not see the dangers? It's, of- very,
3: it's very, very poor journalism, and proper journalists, of which, as you say, there usually um, plenty of them at Sky, so it yeah, wasn't unusual. Yeah. This was more symptomatic of, of other British media, not in... And, the old cliche, of course, the fish rotting from the head. Maybe it's in, maybe the fact that the government for so long now, exemplified by Johnson, has not been willing to engage in detail, not been willing to do the hard yards of governing, getting to grips with incredibly complicated, difficult issues like Northern Ireland. Maybe journalists are the same. I don't know how many people in Ireland are um, up to speed on the details and the int- intricacies of the Northern Ireland protocol, but they, I can tell you, I can count the number of people on one hand who are, in, who are able to engage with this level of detail. It's a, it's, it's people's eyes glaze over when you start talking about this stuff. But just, just to make, finish the point, Eamon, when you, when you don't have um, engagement with the detail, when you, when you create uh, performative policies, or just in the case of Northern Ireland at the moment, a p- huge political vacuum, it is in the nature of political vacuums that other actors on the stage will try to fill them often in unpredictable ways, we have been worried. You and I have spoken about this many times over the past, is that when you have this vacuum in Northern Ireland, very malevolent actors do try to fill it. We always hoped that they wouldn't, but we always worried that they would. And this is now one example, one data point. Hopefully there will not be any more, but we fear there might be. But you have to fill this political vacuum with good stuff, otherwise these bad guys from stage left will come and yeah. act in the way that they have. And if you continue down this path of just essentially not dealing with the problem, other people will try to deal with it in their own way.
2: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Now, Rishi Sunak. Is prime minister, he met with the people from the EU last weekend. He was to make a statement on Monday which never appeared. It seems that he isn't really in any position to face off against his backbenchers. There are over 100 in this European research group who are hardline Brexiteers, as you described them, and followers of Johnson, who, don't forget, was a man who couldn't make his mind up whether to leave or stay. He wrote two pieces about it. That's how much he's committed to it. But the, the point is, what's going to happen to Sunak? And the bigger question is, is Johnson going to reappear in Downing Street as prime minister, in your view, Chris?
3: Well, there's certainly a big constituency in the Conservative Party that would love to have him back. The members, the people, the seventy or 80,000 people who are actually card-carrying members of the Conservative Party. If you, one of the reasons why there was not an election for Sunak was that the, the grandees, such as they are left in the, in the Parliamentary Conservative Party, knew that, that Sunak wasn't popular with the um, actual membership and I think if there was an election today where, and Boris Johnson stood, those members who still technically have the last say um, would, would elect him. I find it very difficult to see a practical, sensible way of him making a comeback. But we are now in such a weird state of politics in Britain that the thing that I fear most is that there are too many backbenchers in the Conservative Party who think their only chance of retaining their seats um, they could be right, they could be wrong in this belief, but what they do believe is that they stand a better chance of retaining their seats at the general election if Boris is back. So I put it as high as 50-50, Eamon. Yes. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to be pinned to the wall on this. No, I don't want to
0: pin you to the wall. But Let me offer you a scenario.
3: I think he could... I, I, th- I can see a route back to number 10 for him, yes. It's a narrow one, but I can
0: definitely see it. I think it may not be as narrow as we think, logically or rationally. There's local... Cancel elections in Britain in May. The Tories get wiped out. They're going to get rinsed, absolutely. Yeah, they need to change their prime minister yet again. Yes, and you and I might might say that. Boris offers himself for the job. Yes. And he wins, and he's prime minister again. It, that is not inconceivable, is
3: it? No, absolutely not. As I say, it's a 50 50 bet. I, I would say that it's, it's equally likely that what Sunak might do is a back me or sack me general election at that point. Um, and um, I think we know how that would go. Uh, the, the what the, At the moment, uh, the Conservative Party is polling in the low 20%. Uh, Just to
0: point out also that these new IRA are happy if there's chaos between Ireland and England if someone like Johnson is let loose or, I mean, Liz Truss would be possibly worse. So they are now, we are now in a situation where Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell can become a target for something called the new IRA. This is very dangerous territory indeed, Chris and it can spiral out of control. If, for example, the bill that Boris Johnson has drafted himself along with that head case, David Frost, Lord Frost now, they drafted this bill. It's basically a rejection of all things Europe and all things EU and all things to do with Ireland working as he had agreed it should work. If They go on, the British government, who are really desperate people. I mean, we've seen a lot of desperate politicians in our time. If they go on, they're going to make life very difficult. And as Bertie Hearn said, we have two or three weeks to fix this now, or we're going to have to wait for a new British government. That's two years, Chris.
3: Yes. We have to have a general election by this time in 24 months. It, it will almost certainly be next year. And if Sunak has his way, it'll be in sometime during the third or fourth quarters of, of next year. As I say, it could happen a lot earlier if things go completely pear-shaped after the local elections in May in the way that you just suggested. So we, we have this very strange situation where everybody knows that nothing is working. Everybody knows that everything is a mess, but we're also waking up to the fact that n- nothing is going to be done about any of the problems that we face, including Northern Ireland, by the looks of things. Hopefully, as Bertie Ahern clearly hopes, we will get it sorted in the next couple of weeks. But the signs are not good. And there are so many issues associated with with this that... Um, our head spinning. Somebody called Robert Buckland, who's the former Lord High Chancellor of Great Britain, a legal officer, Tory, stood up and, and pointed out that the very technical narrow legal device that they used to get this Northern Ireland Protocol Bill <clears throat> as far as the Lords relied on, an econ- uh, on a legal concept of necessity in, in order to be able to break an international treaty. Yes, And uh, he made the point that because they are actually talking to Brussels now about a solution to this problem. They're still talking that is no longer passes the necessity test. So the bill lapses in British law, and there, so there's all sorts of nuances like that. Sunak thought he could deliver this because he wants to get on to the other things that I mentioned earlier on. He wanted to get on to, as I say, the Horizon program, which is very very important for British science. He wants to start doing something for British business so that they can trade with Europe in a better way than they are at the moment and not have empty supermarket shelves. He wanted to start getting involved in something called the Pacific Trade Cooperation Pact. And they are saying, the Asians who are involved in this Pacific Pact, that we're not going to do any treaties with you while you're in the process, moribund though it might be in the House of Lords, of reneging on an international treaty. We're not going to sign one with you that you are then showing signs of instantly breaking. Yes. So, this thing has tentacles and lines, not just dotted lines, but solid lines to so many other things that Sunak wants to do. And he went about it, the Northern Ireland process, in exactly the wrong way, as I suggested earlier on, in not involving the DUP. Because we can bring our beliefs and prejudices to bear on all of this and just say, for example, which is the knee jerk way that I know many in Ireland and Britain do, which is that just the DUP. Being intransigent again—it's just the DUP being the DUP, the party that opposed the Good Friday Agreement in the first place. If you park all of that and think about what it is that they're actually saying in a very narrow sense, the DUP has a point. They haven't been consulted properly on all of this, and the union between GB and NI has been weakened without their consent. Now, you might think that that's fine. You might argue in the way that John Major has that we, you know, the only way we're going to be able to solve this is by everybody giving up a bit
0: of something. I must point out to you, Chris, that they agreed with Johnson when he broke his word, and they agreed with everything he did. And they still agree with Johnson. They are his... Apart from the very first Northern Ireland Protocol, which Johnson then... Because
3: rene- that was... In- you remember that the original one was imposed on them. And Johnson, yeah. Johnson
0: has lied to the DUP as well. Yeah, I know he has. Anyway, it's in the week that somebody has suffered terrible consequences. It isn't good to be joking about these things. But I have to say, Chris, when you look across from Theresa Coffey on the one hand, suggesting that people who are struggling to make ends meet who are going to food banks, that they should get another job and work harder. She said that yesterday at the dispatch box, while the former prime minister, who has lied to everybody consistently throughout his life, where are you? I was, um,
3: this is, Revealing too much about me at, at the moment. No, David. sorry. I no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you a story about where we are as Britain because it, I, this is a little anecdote, but I think we'll, we'll sum, summarize it quite well. I was chatting in a bar to various people in central London just the other night, as one does. And there happened very close to us to be a solitary uh, elderly gentleman, actually, incredibly well dressed, watching the football on one of the screens in the bar. And it turned out that this guy um, is an Italian currently living in London and he'd heard our discussion, which inevitably turned to lots of the things that we'd just spoken about. And he proceeded to tell us exactly what his very Italian perspective on the UK situation is. And he said, you've turned yourselves into Italy, and that you have a Berlusconi-style body politic now. And what happens in Italy happens here. You're just going through the playbook of political instability, political corruption, changing leaders all the time, Welcome to Italy, he said. Ciao.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that is worth a laugh, but it's a very, very serious matter. Chris, we're very grateful to you for joining us. As always, Chris Johns has his own podcast. On the other hand, it's really good, and we're very grateful to Chris for his contribution to The Stand every week. Thank you, Chris. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call 1 800 Club Med or your travel advisor.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. free.